the times in my career when I have been the most successful, when I've gotten promoted, when I've gotten like a new job opportunity, made more money, whatever, are the times when I am totally checked out. Like when I'm so hot, it's so hot. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Not For Everyone. Hi, Caroline. Hey, Jess. How are you feeling? Should we let them in on what's been going on this morning? <laughs> um, Sure. I also like just the check-in. It does feel like therapy. It's like, where are we in this moment? Um, In this moment, I'm feeling better now, but I've been feeling pretty low. I've been pretty low. Um, You've been pretty low. Yeah. I hate to see you low. It makes me low. It makes my heart like sing. Like my heart's been in my stomach knowing that you're low. Um, mm-hmm. We are recording this episode for the second time, ladies and gentlemen, because we're perfectionists. We're recovering perfectionists <laughs> and the recovery is not going too well. <laughs> I'd say I've relapsed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big relapse. But I think, you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make this as awesome as we know it will be in a hundred episodes and it's really hard for us to do that on day one but we want to get like damn close to it and that's what's happening right now we recorded an episode and there were some great moments some great tidbits I think the topic was interesting and we will probably still share like thoughts on that topic at a later time or it'll come up in different ways but we just felt like it wasn't good enough. We we had to like figure out our groove together a little bit more. And so this is take two. We're going to we're going to groove with it. We're going to be a little less pre-planned and just like see where the conversation takes us with a different topic than what we talked about last night. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to go well. I'm already feeling better. I feel better, too. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's so funny when you say like, well, first of all, it. Of course, it's hard to accept the fact it it is a fact that the first episode or first attempt at anything is going to be your worst attempt. Like, yeah. But I think what also makes it like that's already hard for me. But what what makes me stress out more is that you you you've honed this skill. You've done a podcast, and I fell in love with that podcast. And so I feel like I'm the one coming in who apparently doesn't know how to talk, mm. and that feels terrible. Um, yeah, so I was, tried to sit down and edit it last night and I just was like, oh, I hate myself. Obviously, the self-loathing is one-sided here. Like, I I don't feel as strongly anti what we recorded last night as you do because oh, you I, are your I didn't own feel anti critic. you. I didn't feel anti you at all. Uh, the good parts were you. Yeah. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is I don't feel anti you. The only person that's anti Caroline's ability to talk and like be an active participant in an engaging conversation is Caroline. Um, I just need to say that I've said it a million times in the last 12 hours, but I need to say it for our listeners to know that I'm not like you yeah, know, yeah. abusing you in a corner. Like, oh, <laughs> Je- <laughs> Jess is the one that's done podcasts before and and caroline's first attempt wasn't good enough no this is very oh, much yeah. one of those situations of like oh no we are all our own worst critic um you you tried i i understand the, the wanting the clarification yeah 
for the record, <laughs> Jess, Jess, Jess was like, we can publish this. And I said, no, we can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> yep. And but listen, yeah. both of our names are on this thing. And so we both have to feel good about it each week. Like, and that's, that's honestly the new part of this. You know, you keep saying like, you've done this before you've honed this skill and sure I've honed parts of it. But I've not worked with a co-host before. I've not worked with a business partner before on something Mm. I care this much about, especially like I care about this more than anything. And it's not only mine and I'm not the only one that cares about it more than anything. And so that's like the most special part of doing this with you. But it's also the hardest part because we hold ourselves both, each of us to high standards and we both feel pressure that like the other one can't take away and can't release Mm -hmm. no matter how much we want to. And so, yeah, if you want to do it again, guess what? That's my partner. I'm going to do it again. Like if he wants to, (laughs) we might have to cut this part. Maybe not. Maybe my mom already decided she's not going to listen because what I'm about to say is questionable, but it's like, uh, I missed the moment for the joke. I'm going to say it anyway. Do it. If he wants to go, if, if you want a second round in the bedroom, your partner better buck up. You know what I mean? It's the same. We're doing a second yeah. round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't proud of my performance. I have better moves than that. Well, I think you were a little, you're having performance anxiety. And it's hard for either party to mm-hmm. bring their fullest to the table when when somebody's having performance anxiety. This is very much like a couple's counseling issue. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, now we're here. We're doing it again. And we're doing something different. We're going to talk about different stuff. I do have a bit of an opening segment before we get into the topic because it was just on my mind earlier this morning. Oh, so just to let y'all in the listeners, we were this is going to take us some time to figure out, but we want to do a different opening segment each week just to like open up in a lighthearted way, let you guys in on some of the stuff that's going on in our day to day and something I used to do on peaking that we may bring to not for everyone is Jess thoughts um, spelled T H O T that hoe over there. Jess thoughts is like my opportunity to ramble about shit that's on my mind. And Caroline, I used to be so self-conscious about my Jess thoughts episodes. Speaking of being self-conscious about something that you recorded and put out into the universe. And Caroline was always the person that would text me or send me a voice memo and be like, don't stop doing just thoughts. It's my favorite thing ever. Like there's something magical here. Love it. Yeah. So we're going to try to bring that to an opening segment or two or however many we want to um, on not for everyone. So today and like the past couple of days, something I've been thinking a lot about is like just how seriously people take their jobs. <laughs> like... <laughs> And like, sure, I'm an asshole who like has a podcast that I'm more excited about than my work. And so I actually get to not care as much about work and just like clock in and clock out because I have something else outside of work that like makes me happy Mm -hmm. and fulfills me. And I know that a lot of people don't have that. Or it's also like a privileged thing to be able to say that I have that. So I, I recognize all of that. I check my privilege at the door. But I just feel like I've been on calls with coworkers lately who are like losing it. I'm just sitting there like watching the place burn down virtually because it's a remote job. Um, (laughs) Like, I don't care about any of this as much as you do. Why do you all care so much? 
I think the root cause is like people who derive too much of their self-worth from their work and their success in like a traditional career. And it just, there's a lot of ego wrapped up in it. It's, it's weird. It's weird, but I'm on the opposite extreme side of the spectrum of like really checked out and really don't care. So I don't know. Did you ever feel that way in your tech job? Like these people care too much about this bullshit. Definitely. I think for the most part at my company, which I no longer work there because I quit and I do YouTube full time. Um, But love this company. It was really small web design agency and everyone, there was actually like pretty good work-life balance and a pretty good attitude in general. My insecurity was mostly, I mean, there's a certain degree you have to care and I couldn't, I couldn't fabricate that. And I felt like it had to be so obvious that I didn't care at all. Like you have to be able to take some pride in your work and I could not meet the minimum requirements. It was all like, mechanically every day every day just starting from zero and trying to figure out what would it look like if I cared about this or like what things would I be saying or doing if I cared what does caring look like and trying to conjure that up it was really exhausting it ended up being I mean as anyone knows being in a job or any situation that you feel like you have to like that you, you have to cut out so much of yourself or like repress so much of yourself. It's, it's a performance, it's acting and it's so emotionally exhausting. I was like exhausted all the time. And then also getting no work done and doing nothing and delivering no value is like, how is it both? That's impressive, (laughs) but it it really was both. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate to that feeling of like having to put on an act, um, and being like, Oh, what would a, person that cared right now say (laughs) like I mean I feel that way in my personal life sometimes too and just like conversations that I don't want to be in and I'm like I know oh I have to it's like that meme where (laughs) I'm always referencing memes for you um to keep you up with what the kids are doing but there's like a meme that I saw recently on Instagram that was um like me when somebody's telling me a story that I've already like checked out of listening to and like the memes, just somebody saying over and ag- over again, like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> because we all do that shit, you know? That's me at work as everybody is losing their minds about these deadlines and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and they're like, you're part of this team, you know? And let me be clear, like, I never drop the ball. Like, I do my job and I do a good job, but I just don't, mm-hmm. um, I don't like need it. I, f- I need it for money, I but I don't need it for my yeah. own personal, like, knowing that I'm a smart person that, like, adds something to the world. Like, that, I get none of that from my job. And it took me a long time to get to a place where I feel that way. I used to derive so much of that from my day job. Yeah, I, I don't know. You've detached your identity from exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. And it makes it hard to watch other people who have not done that even though it's far more common for somebody to not have done that. Um, So it's like I'm surrounded by people whose identities are so wrapped up in their job. And of course they are, because that's what we've been told we're supposed to be and supposed to do and where all of our worth comes from. Um, And I'm one of the exceptions probably that like has broken that cycle for myself for the most part, but then it makes it impossible Mm -hmm. to watch everybody else 
yeah, I was coaching one of my coworkers through something because she was really, really stressed. And I was, my messaging was like, you don't need any of this bullshit. <laughs> like, you know, and that doesn't land with somebody that like really doesn't, isn't in the same headspace as you, you know, like I'm trying to, I know I'm trying to uplift her. And she's like, what? Yes, I do need this. Can I tell you this? This was not at my most recent job, but at my first job ever in tech, my first job ever in tech. Um, I don't know. This was multiple years ago. This is not my most recent job, which I loved, but my first job in tech, I was so miserable. And it was also like, I'm going to say a terrible company and a really terrible culture. And it was like very negative in lots of ways. And the number of people I told to quit that I was like coaching on quitting. Cause I eventually quit. I quit. I quit after like nine months, the number of young people there that I was like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. You don't have to do this. Like it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And I like, they were not interested. They were very happy. They were having a very different experience. And I, every once in a while, I'll go and look on LinkedIn and be like, does such and stuff still work there? They still work there and they're thriving. And they're probably, they look like they're doing really well with their lives. But the amount, the amount that I projected totally onto other people. That's such a good point. I, Cause I do think an element of it is projection. Like I could, I can be on my high horse saying like, I have it all figured out, but like, I have it figured out only partly and only for myself you know like mm. if somebody else wants if somebody else feels really strongly that their career in this particular area like is what they're meant to be doing or they really they really want to be the best at it or whatever whatever who am I to say that that's wrong I'm just fascinated by it when it's so not where I'm at with I know with my corporate career um but what you said about like coaching people to quit is so funny too, because I one time read, and I think this is so true. I read in some, I don't know, I don't read like business insider, but it was something like that. And um, they said that business babe, business babe, exactly. Boss bitch, boss <laughs> bitch media. Yeah. It's just as well reputed. You, It's, it's reputed a word. I thought it was That's such a good, I mean, it makes sense. Like the verb of reputed reputa- reputation generally beloved to exist or be something. What? Oh, widely known and well thought of wow. yeah, reputed. Okay. That's great. That's great to know. Um, <laughs> okay. What was I going to say? Yeah. I read something that was like, it's actually a company's worst nightmare for their employees to be close friends Mm. because once you're close friends with the people you work with it's one thing to like be friendly and get along with the people you work with I think that's the goal everybody wants to like not hate their colleagues but once you become close enough and like cross a certain boundary and I've done this over and over again at different jobs because I just like to be friends with people Um, and I've worked at places where it's mostly young people too so like it breeds a culture of everybody goes out together everybody like is friends um, then it becomes you're constantly complaining to each other, constantly venting to each other, constantly wow. talking about what you'd rather be doing. And it becomes that culture of like coaching people to leave. And then what happens too is like once the first person leaves, they're all gonna go. Everybody else is resentful because they miss their friend, you know, and and the domino effect happens. So it's actually like the worst thing. Wow. Yeah. It's it's all very interesting. That's so funny. Anyway. That was just my little ramble for the day. It's kind of related to the topic that we wanted to talk about, life transitions. I don't know. We need to find like a sexier, more fun way to say that. We haven't talked about what the name Mm -hmm. of this episode will be yet. But um, 
I do think that we both have a lot to say about just like change and transition at different points in your life and different moments where maybe you're faced with like a path that splits and you can choose to go one way or the other and you choose the road less familiar and it actually turns out to be like the most transformative thing ever. This is really a lot of what my podcast peaking has been all about. So it's a very comfortable place for us to like start things here, I think. That's so funny. I'm just thinking about how like that is what we talk about. And in a way I'm like, what else would people talk about? You don't sit around like you don't show up to your therapy session and say, here's a list of everything that's going well in my life that I feel confident about. I would never, certainly never. Mm -hmm. And I don't sit around. I think it's part of why (laughs) I have a problem with toxic positivity. And um, although in some ways I can also be very positive, it's like, what, what do you talk to your friends about? You talk about all the things that are changing that are making you uncomfortable. And we're all going through constant change. And the things that take our focus are the things we're struggling to settle into. So I'm going to talk about this my entire life and it's forever. A hundred percent. I mean, that's what inspired me when I started peaking and came up with that idea because I was like, this is all I talk to people about. Actually, I had just, um, let's see, in 2018, I moved to Chicago from the DC area. We're both from the DC area. We both have left and Caroline has since come back. Um, I left in 2018. I was 27. So I had not left really home until that age. Even when I went to college, it was only 45 minutes away. Like I was always close by in a really familiar area. And I left for a job um, and just for a change. And that brought with it a lot of other changes, obviously leaving friends and family behind. I was in a relationship at the time that ended a couple months after I moved. Um, And it was just like everything that I thought I knew about myself and my life and the things that I had like accepted as true. Like, these are my friends. This is my partner. This is what I do on the weekends. Like all of it went away. All of it. Um, Yeah. And I feel like because I was going through so much change and processing so much change for the first time really ever in my life, it inspired me to just talk to people about it, like open up more than I ever had before, because I was like, what else do I do with this? Like, I have to, I have to like, see if anybody has a cure, you know? And so as I was making new friendships in Chicago, a lot of what I spoke to people about was um like what's changed was how do you get over a breakup of a five-year relationship how do you figure out how to move to a new city and build a whole new life like and nobody has the answers of course but everybody has been there in some way shape or form and it just like Mm -hmm. deepened my connections so much with people yeah it's it's so true that change is the only constant such a cheesy thing that we hear all the time but Yeah. When you're going through it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels so special and so unique and so like insurmountable. I, yeah, I guess I didn't even realize how much you restarted your life at 27. That's, I identify with that completely. That's what I did. I guess I was 29 and, you know, I've talked about this. I feel like I've talked about this a million times, but maybe in scattered places, leaving Ohio where I was living with a boyfriend for six years, we were together and, um, 
we decided to break up and I like packed a bag overnight bag of clothes and I drove myself home in the morning and I remember like wait you know the first night I drove myself back to DC because that's where my family was I was like where else am I gonna go I remember the first night I slept here and woke up and kind of you know rolled out of bed and put my feet down on like a carpet on a rug I didn't recognize and I and I was like, wait, where is that thing where you've slept over somewhere? And you're like, wait, where am I? And I looked around and everything was gone. My relationship, that was definitely where I'd embedded my identity, my city, my friends, um, the whole environment, the path I was on, this like domesticated path towards building a family and all of these things. It was gone. It was all completely gone, literally overnight, completely gone. My life was unrecognizable immediately. And that actually sounds like a, a lot like what you did. I didn't realize how much was overturned for you, which is so funny because now I think about you and you seem so well-rooted in everything. Mm. But well, um, actually, that's an interesting comment because what happened to me, I think, is that once I got comfortable with the change, like once I got through that major change and kind of like put down new roots and things like that, I've noticed about myself that I have kind of become obsessed with change so much so that I'm mm. not, I'm like scared of stability. Mm. Like I had so much stability for so long and now looking back on it, I see how wrong it was for me like that relationship and the life that I was living yeah. along with it. Yeah. And to the point where now I'm like, how can I shake things up all the time? Ooh. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with me not understanding why my coworkers care so much about the job because I'm just like, well, you're going to keep changing. Yeah. That's the problem with stability is that like, I think we we're so we the human race is so adaptable and like pretty good at surviving and pretty good at eating shit or just you know making do with whatever's going on to survive that it's like I've I realized myself when I'm forced into a big transition a big change the first thing that happens is that you realize for the first thing for the first time all the things you've gotten used to you actually have to start realizing like oh maybe I don't even like hanging out in this type of city or with these kinds of people or the main emotion that drives this relationship or whatever, you know, these random examples, but like, yeah. you don't even realize what you've gotten used to, what you've acclimated to. And in the meantime, you've been changing as a person. It's like, I, like, it's so hard to evolve as a person and implement that when the setting is not evolving, you kind of need those hard breaks sometimes to, I'm being so vague, but to keep from spinning your wheels, like you need a new place to take it. Totally. Well, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. So how do I know that this is the wrong place for me until I see something different and realize that? I mean, sometimes I think you get better at realizing those things about yourself as you get older. You might have a feeling deep down, like I want something different. I think that that's what pushed me to apply for a job that was in Chicago. I don't, I didn't just had want, a feeling. Ooh. Right. I didn't want the end of my relationship. I didn't want to have to go through all of the pain I went through once I got here. I didn't, I couldn't have anticipated all of those things even happening, but there was something in me that was like wanting a change. And, well, um, I don't know every so often I, 
I feel the need for change. And as I get older and more comfortable with change, I actively invite it and seek it, I think, more and more. Yeah. Are there other ways, other ways you're doing that? Like when you say? I think that this shows up in a lot of areas of my life. Like when I think about my my view of relationships, dating, I was in a really long relationship and I thought like, this is it. And now that I have experienced new relationships, dating, gotten to know myself better, it's made me question a lot of things that I used to just take as commonplace. Like, Mm -hmm. do I even want, I don't know, do I even want to get married? Do I even want to have kids? Do I want to do that anytime soon? Is there something actually to be said for having a lot of shorter relationships? Is there a purpose for all of those at certain times in my life? And it's actually what I should be seeking by dating as opposed to seeking like my forever. That's a mindset that I've brought into every area of my life. Like, is there, is anything supposed to be long lasting, you know, or am I, should I be changing all the time? Yeah. You're, you're being more honest about the actual experience of the things itself, as opposed to like, how is it getting me to the end as quickly as possible? Yeah, maybe. But I do also worry about myself (laughs) in this way. Like I'm like, girl, like you're taught for so long that what you need to seek is this stability. And so the fact that I sometimes reject it, I worry is like a rebel act of rebellion that, you know, like rebel without a cause type of vibe. Is there really I a mean, point in this? Sure. Um, Let, listen, ne- never stop, never stop doubting yourself in that way. Always second guess your healthy impulses. That's good. Don't lose yep, that. You're right. But you and, you and I talked about this a little bit like stability I feel like is really easy to the traditional definition is having the salary having the stable relationship just knowing but also for you and I and I would say for more people than will admit it it's also really like a part of stability and staying well long term is having surprises and excitement and change and things that can get you going because if all if stability is only having the nine to five and knowing what every second of your day is going to look like never having a change in your schedule seeing waking up next to the same person over and over you know that's a nice thing maybe that's a nice thing but like that's also when people start getting depressed and get a midlife crisis and want to quit their job and want to have an affair and buy a weird car or whatever these you do like it's it's stable and it's not because everyone breaks down if that's all they're doing like that's not really stability and maybe stability for you is incorporating I don't even know how you describe it a little more frenetic frantic energy yeah um and that's that's part of your stability recipe that's an important part of it because i know if i'm doing the stable thing with a 401k and clocking in and clocking out and doing the same thing forever and not growing and not being pushed and not having occasional mental breakdowns i'm gonna be so depressed and that's not stability totally totally Yeah, we did talk about this like redefining stability idea because I think that for me at least, and I would venture to say many people, um, because I don't think I'm that special. You know, you are and also more people. Yeah, Yeah. but you are special. Um, Thank you. That's what I was looking for in that moment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I feel like stability looks like 
just having something to look forward to or something like having knowing what my maybe larger like value system is and knowing that I'm continually building on and building towards a life that incorporates those values but not knowing what that actually looks like in practice yeah that doesn't it's so we focus okay stability is the why and the how but not the what Wow, I love that from you. You, The the face that you're making, you're like looking up at the sky (laughs) as you say that. You know why I can't say with a straight face? Because these are like very like firm practices that we had at my last tech job. Mm. They they, they were really good about this stuff. Talking about, I don't know. It's, they called it the golden circle, the golden circle of motivation. Like, why do you show up to work? What, why do you do your job is this big kind of existential thing you have to define for yourself. And then you can get a little more specific, you know, that's, it's like, I want to feel valuable. I want to provide for my family. I want to have a sense of worth, whatever. Okay, great. That's not super actionable. So then you take that down a little more specific and the how, how do I do that? I I do that by being relational and really connecting with people or being a great listener or whatever it is. And then you take it and bring that a little more specific to the, what the actual actions you're doing, um, I start a podcast. I uh, spend more time in nature. I whatever it is. Yeah. So, I I can't say it with a straight face because it really is corporate lingo. But it, it was effective corporate lingo. Yeah, that. it, it <laughs> stuck with you. Sometimes they do a good job. I mean, I do think, I do think you're spot on. Like, the why is enough for me personally. Like the knowing the yeah. why. It gives me a feeling of stability that guides you enough exactly the how and the what I'll figure out you know on a year by year basis or on a day by day basis like depending on you know the scale that we're talking mm-hmm. about and I think that's something that only has really been ingrained in me by becoming somebody who embraces change and like seeks transformative experiences transitional moments like doesn't shy away from them even if they're mm. scary, like that's you know. such a good quality. That's so cool. Like that's an amazing quality. I feel like that's you too. You've been through tons of change, not just what you named of like leaving that relationship and going home and stuff, but career change, like going from acting to tech to YouTube. Lots of change. That's fair. I feel like I was trying to think about, yeah, because it's easier for me. It's easy to talk about these very big obvious changes and they're a little bit in the rearview mirror now um a year and a half ago or so I feel like I turned my life upside down and then another weird big change that happened then which I I just think is like hilarious to note when I moved back to DC I moved to a city where everyone knew me as Caroline I grew up going by my first name went to college started going by my middle name went by that name for 10 years and when I came back to DC my new friends, my New York friends, my New York boyfriend, nobody was here. So all of a sudden I literally showed up and went by a different name that I no longer, that I hadn't responded to in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was just like literally everything was stripped from me in a, in a positive way. And it's a nice moment to, you're forced to think about like, okay, so if, if my identity is not the city I live in, and I guess it's actually not my relationship and it's not even my name, then like what it, who it, who am I? It just gets, it gets existential real fast, but those things are more settled for me now. And I was trying to think about 
what is the transition I'm going through now? And I think it's big, but it it's not as visible from the outside. And I think it's actually a transition out of Uber independence. Mm. Like I think I've spent several years, even from within that relationship before the breakup of just becoming super isolated. And I still spend a ton of time alone and have just, it has been an important thing to really not rely on other people for anything, but it's come to it. It's come to a head and like, it's not okay anymore. And I find myself, you know, I'm dating again and, um, ah, to have to, to have to, to have to rely on somebody to, to open myself up to expecting anything like, Oh God, I want to throw up at the idea of having any expectations from someone or even with my friends. Like I, I spend so much time alone processing, whatever it is I'm thinking about. And then on YouTube too, I will do a lot of processing in YouTube and in filming which, you know, there's an audience, but it, when I'm filming, it's just me. There's no one there. So that by the time I show up to friendships or a sister or a brother, a family, friend, whoever it is, I've already done all this processing and I don't really need them for it. Mm. And it's, it's put it, I see it putting a limit on these intimate relationships where I'm like, no, I can, I can tell you, I can give you the spark notes of what I've processed, but I don't need you to process this with me. And it's kind of this keeping people at bay obviously affects romantic stuff too, but I feel like I'm having to transition out of that. And, um, I don't know how to do it. It sucks kind of. (laughs) Well, it's so funny because we've talked a little bit about like codependence and breaking out of the cycle of codependence to the point where I think both of us have become these like other extreme, other extreme, like, like to a fault independent people like I cannot I don't ask for help ever I don't feel comfortable Uh when people no thank you like (laughs) not for me I got it um I think too because even if something goes badly I want it to be like on me you know (laughs) like I just want to control it's a control thing to some degree I want to I want to be the disappointment in my life and I will be and I can be and I can make sure that I am forever and it's nothing else yeah so I totally hear you yeah that's a great point of transitioning out of that so what do you think is forcing you to transition out of that I keep having these conversations when either I'm catching up with anyone, any, like people I'm very close to. And I find myself like giving them the spark notes of like, oh, this is what happened this week. This is what I went through. Like, oh, I'm, I've, I've processed it all. It's fine. You don't have to say anything, uh, but I'll let you know what went down. And then it's like this com- missing the whole opportunity mm. to digest something with the people I care most about. I just feel like I'm showing up time and time again to opportunities for intimate connection. And I'm like, no, I got it. I got, I connected with myself. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's just a huge missed opportunity. And it's really hard romantically to find my, I think my default is still to be, to like really want to be close with someone. But if I get scared away from that, then my default there and then the, the backup plan is to be extremely nonchalant which is also not me that's also not who I am like I care and I want a lot of things and I have a lot of hopes and I want you to care about me and it's like I can't strike this balance between being vulnerable or 
being like in grounded in myself or being like a little aggressive and a little like overly blase. And it's just, mm. I just feel like I can't ever strike the balance no matter what. It seems like such a fine line and I can't, and I'm never on it. I don't know. I, I very much relate to what you're saying. Yeah. There's this fine balance of like to being too much and not enough. Like I feel that in so many aspects of my life all the time, I'm either way too much for somebody or I'm not enough for somebody, or I'm too much for somebody, but I'm not enough for myself or, or vice versa. Yeah. Like either that, that's the things it feels like either I did way too much or did way too little and neither, (laughs) neither was right. But then isn't that the reason to just like, then why do we still stress about it? You know, it's like, if it's, if it's never right, then shouldn't there somewhat (laughs) be this? It's a freedom. It should be a freedom. That should be freeing, but it's not, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm so free. I'm so free. <laughs> Such a free spirit. I'm so fucking free, just yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It is. It is. Although I had the thought the other day, I was like, so much of what both you and I have found connection with me on YouTube and you and your podcasting is is stumbling through the stumbling through not having the answers but but yearning for the answers and fucking up and stumbling and the other day I was like damn what if what if I what if I'm healed one day and then I've got nothing good left to say Mm. what what if that's my product (laughs) if I need to stay broken yeah you risk not being interesting anymore (laughs) you know did you watch Bo Burnham's uh inside on Netflix last yeah, year. Yeah, I I really did love yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It hit really close to home for me too. There's a lot of ex- exploration of these types of topics where he's like, I want to bring comedy and laughter to the world, but I also want to make money. Like, you know, I'm selling my soul. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I need to rewatch it honestly because my paraphrasing is not doing it justice, but it just made me think of that. Like, yeah, no, it can be both. It can be both. Two things can be true. It's funny with performance because in performance, um, and I, I feel this anxiety too of like, or maybe not just performance, but anything you do as a passion, there's this expectation that like, well, aren't you just doing it because it's your passion? Isn't that enough? But no one asks that of somebody working their day job. It's like, you also are allowed to want to get paid. That is so true. You are also, you're what? You're like, aren't aren't you designing websites because you love it? Bitch, I want to take a trip. (laughs) I want to buy stuff. I want to buy a sweater. I also, I also like web design. Yeah, I have a sweater collection I'm working on. Um, But then as soon as you engage, as soon as you start pursuing, God, so many things about pursuing a passion. First of all, as soon as you start pursuing your passion full time, it is just, it's, it's kind of a countdown to when that is no longer your passion and it's just your day job. And also it's like, you can, you can, it can serve you in multiple ways. You can also want to get paid. I don't know. What, what am I even talking about? I don't know. I think that's fair. I think it loops us back to the beginning almost like we're probably not on, we've probably transitioned away from the life transition topic, but I do think that there's still something to be said here about kind of the conversation we were having around career and people caring too much and like deriving your self-worth from your career versus not doing that. It's like, Mm-hmm. or any one thing really. Yeah. As soon as you've from any one thing, I think that's really what as, it is. Yeah. As soon as you've embedded yourself in any one thing, whether it's your relate, and first of all, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I've done all these, bitch, I've done them all. Derived my sense of self from a relationship, from just my family, from just my job, from just my passion, from just vanity, like all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A- any one, 
you know, some of them are more unstable than others, but they'll all, you'll be screwed in the end either way. And you're going to put such weird pressure on it. Like I wanted to say earlier, I feel like I can only imagine, I haven't seen you at your job, but I can only imagine that there are huge benefits to your air of like being a little more detached to it. People love that shit. People love, they can smell it and they love the smell. They love the smell of you not caring too much. Like everyone's attracted to that in every arena. And I feel like it only helps you. I feel like, I think this is my, my problem. It's my problem with manifesting. One of my many problems with manifesting that that's a whole other episode is like, eh, there's benefits to not caring. There's benefits to being really ready to walk away from something and to let it go. I think that is so accurate, so accurate. When I started this job, I mean, it was after, like I said, a year off from the workforce, just like figuring out what I wanted from my career, figuring out the answers to some of these questions or not not getting the answers, but like stumbling through the processing of Mm. how can I feel more fulfilled? How can I like get closer to doing things that I'm passionate about? But how can I also not like, spoil those passions for myself, but I still need to make money. Like all of these things that we've been talking about and weighing, that was what I spent that year exploring. And when I finally got this job offer and figured out like, okay, this is something that I think I can do. And, um, it's going to give me quote unquote stability from a monetary financial benefits, like setting up my life where I'm comfortable perspective. And then I'm going to do all this other stuff on the side. Um, my dad told me, he was like, he was like the times in my career when I have been the most successful, when I've gotten promoted, when I've like gotten like a new job opportunity, made more money, whatever are the times when I am totally checked out. Like when I'm so hot, it's so hot. Yeah. Not totally checked out, obviously, but like, it's like that office space thing yeah. um, in that old movie office space when he like gets the promotion and he hasn't even been showing up to work. There's something about, I don't need this, having the attitude of, I don't need this, that makes people buy what you're selling. More. Yeah. Like they're like, oh, that's confidence. Oh, we need whatever's going on over there. Oh, she's so sure about this thing that she just handed I in know. that it must be. Maybe good. that's what it is. Ultimately, it's just confidence. And I think it has to be. I do think it has to be kind of authentic because I think you could make, you could get into the toxic argument then of like playing games, you know, when you're dating or acting like you don't care, which I hate you. You don't ever win. You know, you don't win in life ever by not being away, like not being honest, like that doesn't get you anywhere. So that's not what I'm saying. But if you get to the place of genuinely (laughs) releasing surrender, Nancy would say surrender. Um, Stuff just happens. Stuff just happens. Yeah. It's true. I was just listening to a podcast episode um, from Girls Gotta Eat. They they talked about this in a very recent episode, like this week or last week, um, where they were commenting on in dating, like giving the air that you don't really care, but it does have to be authentic. Like they were saying, you know, a lot of people that they've seen end up in really long-term successful marriages, relationships, whatever, mm-hmm. are people who like gave off an air of like, I don't really need this. I'm just going with the flow. Like I'm not obsessed with making sure that you text me not every day. I'm not obsessed with yeah. like when's our next date. 
because people can smell desperation just as much as they can spell confidence. Right. And so um, it's also hot to care. But, I think to like be, to be confident yes. enough to, sh- to, to show that like you do care, like that's hot. That's hot. And I agree. It's, yeah. It's I like agree. the confidence, but I think there's something about, away or whatever. Yeah. That you're not going to die at the loss. I think you knowing that you're not going to die when you lose something. Maybe. Well, exactly. And I also think there's a bit of like, you can't manufacture that confidence or that air of like, right. I could walk away from this at any time, but you can make your life really full. And it goes to what we were saying before about like, you can't be overly invested in only one thing. You can make your life really full to the point that yes, you care about the new guy that you're dating, texting you back because you really like him. And like, yes, you, you're invested in it, but you have so much else Other going things. on in your life that like, it's not the only thing and you're not waiting with bated breath by the phone every day. And that's what we're talking about. It's the same with career. Like I, I, I do care about my job. Like I, I can act as nonchalant as I want about it, but I care. Like I, I like to live a certain life that I need a certain amount of money to maintain. And like, I need stability from a job at this moment to be able to provide that for myself, to be able to take the trip, to be able to buy the sweater, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's not the only thing I have going on. So it, so I can clock out at five and not feel bad about it. And I can lots of eggs. Yeah. Lots of baskets. It's very hard to maintain. Um, but I do think like not being overly invested in one thing, that's really where we landed as like our takeaway from this conversation. I have, I think I have, I have invented, I'm going to say invented a term that I would like to trademark for this very thing. Yes, you have. Which I call diversified fulfillment. And it is like, it is like my religion now. I will not put all of my fulfillment in one basket because no matter the basket, it might not even fail you or disappoint you, but it will, they'll all, they're all just going to ebb and flow and it's out of your control. And you know what? That actually ties in. First of all, yes, trademark diversified fulfillment. It's like my favorite thing you've ever taught me, like giving me a word for it because it does help so much to be able to name these things and like have something to call it. Um, But also you just said like each of those things will ebb and flow. And I think that brings us back to the topic of change and transition, like having many things going on, some might be more stable and some might be like ebbing and flowing. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, the things that were stable start to ebb and flow a little. And the things that were in flux two years ago, start to stabilize. That's stability. That's the stability. That's stability. I need That's a little bit. I, I need for. a nine to five. And I also need to do something volatile on the weekends. Basically. Yes. Yes. I need to I risk need, it all. I need I to need risk it. it all at least two days a week in order to be well. I need a nine to five. And then I need to shit talk that nine to five on my podcast that I'm recording during work hours. That's <laughs> what I need to be able to do. That's wellness. <laughs> I am well. Yes. Do you have any like, do you have any final <laughs> remarks? Do you have... <laughs> Do you have something to leave no. us with? Um, give me a prompt. <laughs> give, give me that was pop- <laughs> now that was the confident nonchalance that we've been talking Listen, about. Listen, if you're expecting me, no, am I am I gonna deliver something poignant? No, 
I can say that confidently. No, but um, I don't know. Give me, give me a, give me a prompt and I'll see what I have. What do you want to know? <laughs> well, I just like how relaxed you look right now. You guys, I wish you could all see her. She is laid back. She's sitting on the floor in the like corner of her couch where the, where the chaise lounge connects to the rest of the couch. She has her arms spread across the couch and she I can I can kind of see the top of her knee so I know that I think that she's spread eagle just sitting on the floor like knees bent and wide and (laughs) this is what I want from you when we record podcasts from now on I'm so glad we re-recorded because this is the energy this is the relaxed I don't give a fuck Caroline that I signed up to work with. You know what? She only shows up though when she has nothing left to lose. This is what, this is the freedom. Really? Okay. Poignant thought. I found it. This is what freedom is losing everything you thought you were working for. L- freedom to me is um sitting down to record a podcast that you care about so much with a beautiful human that you love after months of work and prep and planning and strategy and sitting down and recording something so atrocious that you're like, well, I'm a lie. My personality is a lie. My skills are a lie. My goals and dreams are dead. I have nothing left to give. I cried a little bit on the phone to my sister, cried a lot in voice memos to you. Um, And now I have, there's nothing left to lose. And that's a beautiful thing. That is the only place that I am an acceptable version of myself. I have to lose everything. And that's what I did last night when we recorded the first version of this episode. (laughs) I don't want to have to like strip you down to your most vulnerable every single week before we record, but get 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 used to it. Yeah, get used to it. You're gonna strip it up. I guess it's effective. As long as you don't try to build me up, we'll be fine. Well, you know that's really hard for me. I, I build know. people up. It's like my whole thing. No, I feel better. I feel good. I love talking to you. It's this is this is this is my piece. Hey guys, last I guess shout out to follow us at not for everyone pod. It's not the number four everyone pod on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Jay-Z DeBakey on Instagram. You can find Caroline at The Good Sitter on Instagram. Don't ask me to explain it. Also follow her YouTube channel. We're, yeah, we're not going to explain it. Like, go, like, listen to her on my old podcast and on her YouTube channel and, like, watch everything that you can about her. And then you'll piece it yeah. together. She'll talk or about it. Or just wonder. Or just live not knowing why that's my Instagram handle. That's okay, too. That's true. Mystery. I've never known how to be mysterious, but... <laughs> I like that you're trying to do it. (laughs) Okay, that's all. We love you. Thanks for being here. I love you. Caroline. I love you, Jess. You know, the same thing happened to me with Candy Shop by 50 Cent. I got in trouble in PE class. (laughs) I know. That one happened with Colleen. The two of us were rapping Candy Shop. And we didn't get to play dodgeball that day. Well, Jokes on you, I hate dodgeball.